Okay, we're finishing up the series in Psalms, and last week in Sunday school we did one of those songs of degrees, and we're going to look at another one of those. And it's one of these ones that's made perfect for Sunday school because it's only three verses long. It's not big enough to preach a sermon on, but we can chat about it here in Sunday school. And we're in Psalm 131. Remember I explained last week a song of degrees. This one's written by David, Song of Degrees, the songs you sang as you went to church. And so it has a very good uh, information about the way you should think on the way to church. <laughs> Do you sing on the way to church? I always sing when I go through the swamp because uh, I always think when morning gilds the skies, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. Uh, that's one of the songs I sing on the way to church. You ought to be singing on the way to church. That's what this is all about, singing on the way to church. But this is one of those ones. It's three verses, and so your first impression of it is what? Ah, it can't be too much. It's three verses. What could it be? Right. They got you already. <laughs> they got you already. This is, uh, it's one of those ones that's so deep that it's hard to get a grasp on. Um, how do you define, how do you define success in the Christian life? Define success. Not an easy thing to do. Say, well, what is success? What does it mean to be successful in the Christian life? And uh, what is it? Is it possible that we can say this? I have arrived. I figured it out. I have arrived. I know what it is to be a success. Shake your head. Yes. Yes, we're, we're about to read about it. About to read about it. What it is to be a success in the Christian life. <clears throat> now, I'm going to say this before I start. Um, the confusion that people feel on this issue is heightened by the modern church in America. Absolutely heightened by the modern church in America. Modern church in America, God must be up there thinking, where did that come from? What are they doing? Uh, and he, it seems, well, we'll see here in a minute. But uh, some people, some places where you go, uh, how will you say, I have arrived. I know how to be successful. Right? And there's some places where you go and say, okay, uh, did you speak in tongues yet? You come on up and we'll show you how and you will have arrived. The Holy Spirit will baptize you and you will have arrived. All right? And there's plenty of people out there that are teaching that and 
you can watch them. Sometimes they have services. And when the service is over, they invite everybody to come on down and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do you know they are? Well, they have to babble a little. <laughs> they got to say a few words uh, in some, what they call a foreign tongue. And uh, when I hear it, I scratch my head. I never heard a language quite like that before. Um, so to some people, once you've done that, you've arrived, right? All through America now, money. You want to be a Christian, God's going to give you money. You have prosperity promised to the Christian, all right? And you're going to make money, you're going to get money, and people come on the TV and they go, I got a check for $20,000, God bless me. The next one says the same thing. And after a while, they're saying, well, plant your seed, send us your money, and God will give you money. And when you get the money, you'll know you made it. You've been blessed by God because you got money. I don't know what's going to happen to those people when they get to heaven. Man, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of the people who promoted that. I would not want to be in their shoes. Because there's so much to say about Jesus on a cross, dying for our sins, resurrected, eternal life, and the power of God, and they never even mention it. It's all about money. And the people say, well, we've arrived. We've got prosperity. We've got everything we want. And it can go on into places like healing. You know, if you've really got spirit, uh, you'll be healed. I had a guy I knew and he went to a service and he said there was a faith healer up in Buffalo, pretty famous one that's been all over the United States and it says he came in, walked down the aisle, healing people as he went down the aisle. And he came to one guy and he said, okay, sir, what are you here for? And he said, I'm going to heal you. He said, that's what you said the last time. So I'm going to see if you can do it again. And they threw him out. They got him out. Because <laughs> he didn't fit the, he hadn't arrived yet. So what is it? Is there a thing that you could say? If you do this, you are successful in the Christian life. And if you could put that in a book, that ought to settle. Right, you think. Well, he put it in three verses. David, he's really got it nailed. Here we go. Ready? Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Right. So, my heart is not haughty. That is, proud. Not proud, haughty. And haughty is a little bit even more than proud. It's like, you know, I'm really something. <laughs> I, I just got it all together. I'm pretty special. Right? He said, no. He said, I don't say that. I'm not proud. I'm not haughty inside. And you remember what the great 
men of the Bible, one of the greatest men in the Bible was Moses. And what did the Bible say about Moses? He was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Right? He didn't reek of pride. He, you'd think he could, right? Look what he did. He's up on a mountain talking with God and getting the Ten Commandments and everything. You'd think he could have said, hey. <laughs> no, he came down just as humble as can be. And, of course, the ultimate person for humility is Jesus. All right, we look in Matthew chapter 11. Very famous thing that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 11. My heart is not haughty, he says. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your soul. Jesus said, let me explain to you how I think. I am meek and lowly of heart. I am meek and lowly of heart. He said, and if you think like me, you take my yoke on you, or that is, you think the way I think, he says, you'll find rest. You'll feel good. You'll find rest if you could be meek and lowly of heart. How does that happen? How does that happen? How is it that you relieve completely from stress and life's intensity if you can be meek and lowly of heart? What did Jesus do that made him meek and lowly of heart? Well, he never said this. I don't deserve this treatment. He never said that. How'd they treat him? <laughs> they treated him worse than anybody ever got treated before. They pulled his beard off. They spit in his face. They punched him. They took a whip and whipped him. They nailed him to a cross. And he never once said, I don't deserve this. If you could say that, you could say that, that's pretty amazing. I don't deserve it. He never acted like he'd, he was being treated poorly. He just said, it's okay. He never thought, I don't deserve this. Do you ever think that? Pretty easy to think that, isn't it? Pretty easy to come in your mind. I don't deserve that kind of treatment. Jesus didn't do that. He was meek and lowly of heart. And so when he's on a cross, he's not thinking, man, these people don't deserve that. What does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So that meekness that Jesus has is the kind of thing that takes the inner struggle away. And so David says in his psalm, well, first of all, I'm not going to be haughty. I'm not going to be haughty. And uh, 
I'm not going to act that way. Look at Mark uh, chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10. Jesus is trying to teach us how to behave. And Jesus, in teaching this, he says, the way up is down. The way to define success in Christian living. The way up is down. You know what I mean by that. Jesus said what? The last shall be first and the first shall be last. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. And here he says in Mark 10, verse 42, Jesus called unto him and saith unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. You want to arrive? Here's what you do. Whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be, what? Servant of all. You want to arrive in the Christian life? You want to achieve what it's all about? He says, the way up is down. Here's how you do it. You be the servant of all. Servant of all how you do it. Self-opinion says I'm really something. And David says in his I'm not haughty. And I don't lift up. He says my eyes are not lofty. Look over at Proverbs chapter 6. This is a pretty fascinating one to me. Some things I've seen in my life that Make an impression. And this is one of them. Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. So there's a list of seven things that God hates. What's the first one? First one is a proud look. Proud look. I knew a guy who was very strong, muscle-bound, and he walked like this. <laughs> and somebody said to me, he walks like he's proud. It was a proud look. See, I can't even make you look. <laughs> you and I, who, who are we, right? Some beautiful young lady walks by, some tall, handsome young man walks by, and, and uh, we say, ooh, look at them. You and I walk by, what do they say? What do you got to be proud of? Who are you? Nothing special. Nothing special. You don't walk around with a haughty or a proud look, my eyes looking up. All right, no. God says he hates that. When the pride of our heart comes out in our, con in our uh, continent, in our faith, Show. God really hates that. 
And David says, no, my eyes are Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or things too high for me. <clears throat> to the one who's a servant of all, there is no job they won't do. And one of the things that happened in my life, there was a time when they uh, had this thing, you put it on your tie and you put it on your wrist and it was everywhere. WWJD, remember? What would Jesus do? All right, and I, God, so I thought about that an awful lot. And I'd go in the bathroom at work and all the papers would overflow and be falling on the floor. And I'd say, them filthy pigs. And I thought, what would Jesus do? Pick them up, put them in there, clean it up. And I thought of that over many, many times over the years. And then I go in that bathroom and there's papers on it. What would Jesus do? He'd pick them up. He'd take care of it. He'd never leave it like that. And so, is there any job that you won't do? David says, I don't think of big things. I'm happy to do the small things. One of the things we do here in our church is we share the lowly jobs. We got a cleaning list. You're on the cleaning list. It means your turn to clean up, pick up the garbage, your turn to clean the toilets, your turn to do those things. I remember we had a guy once and he came here and he said, I'm not going to do that. That's woman's work. <laughs> and you know what happened? He became one of our best cleaners. Because he got his head straightened out. Right? And he came in and he used to clean all the time. Always cleaning. Always cleaning. Because he got his head. He knew what it was. And so David says, there's no job I won't do. Uh, I'm happy to serve. And I think if you got it all together, if you really know what the Christian life is about, no job you won't do. Happy to serve. Nothing beneath you. Nothing is beneath you. Now, verse 2. That's pretty good for one verse, huh? He kind of nailed it in one verse. Haughty heart, lofty eyes, attitude. I need to do big things, fancy things. No, no, I'm here to serve. Verse 2. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. So, he really hits a home run here. Uh, he says, I have quieted myself. He says, you think of a baby that his mother feeds. How's he, how do you know he wants more? Because he screams. <laughs> You've heard that sound, right? Yeah. And mom's right there. Mom takes care of it. All right. And he says, there's some point where you're going to grow up and stop whining. The servant who serves all is not a whiner. 
He doesn't want it. And that's what he says. It's like a weaned child. I finally got control of myself. I can sit on mom's lap and be loved without whining. Really good. Really good stuff for two verses. Amazing. He says, so I have learned to quiet my heart, stop complaining, stop whining. God isn't a stewardess who's sent to make you comfortable. It's not what he is. He's not a stewardess. Care for your every need, care for your every wing. Gimme, 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 gimme. That's not what God is. All right. He says we're going to grow up and stop whining. And finally, like a weaned child, accept my mother's care and I don't whine about it. So that's a good way to approach God. And that's what he's telling us. He says we come with humble hearts. Humble comes out of our eyes and out of our face, out of our mouth. It's proved by the things that we won't do or will do. All right, and then he says, and I've learned to keep my mouth shut, stop complaining. I'm like a weaned child. I can sit on mom's lap and not whine and cry. <laughs> you can come to God and not always be whining and crying. Right, he must get tired of that. I think so. I think he does. Last thing, let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. What does that mean? If you will become a servant, if you will take the low place, if you'll do the work that people don't want to do, you'll serve others in the way that Jesus said, so that he that's first shall be last. But what? He that's last is going to be first. If you do that... <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. He said, just trust God. Trust God. Don't worry about being on some low plane where people don't appreciate you and you work hard and nobody cares, nobody notices. Never mind. Trust in the Lord and he'll take care of you. So I would say that the best definition of achieving success in the Christian life is the three verses in Psalm 131. Quit whining. Don't think you're too good for anything. Jesus said, the last shall be first. You really want to get the Christian life figured out? Pretty simple. There's a little song you can sing. David sang it, wrote it, and he really had it together. I think that's got all this money and tongues and healing and all. It's got that all beat hands down. We'd be a servant, and God will be with us. All right, thank you.